TechLawTracker.com. Hello, and welcome to Tech Law Tracker with me, Margot Cruz. I'm your host. That's me. Today, I am going to talk about some more of this huge omnibus bill I started on last episode. But first, since net neutrality is so prominent right now, I wanted to let you all know about some great resources to learn more about the details because you don't need to freak out as much as you would think you do. It's an ongoing process. And also, there's no point in duplicating great coverage, especially when the other resource I'm going to tell you about is a podcast, so it's equally easy to listen to. So uh, the first one is This Week in Law, episode 409, or TWIL for short. And this is their most recent episode, and they go really in-depth on the public comment process with the FCC and why this is even something that's up for debate, why this is an area of law that can change with each administration's interpretation of it. So if you listen to it, you will be very informed and feel super knowledgeable. And the other one is this Gizmodo article called What Actually Happens the Day Net Neutrality is Repealed. Um, and basically this goes into depth, into detail, depth, detail. It does both. On what happens when, so after this passes, it's, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits over the order. And these will be filed in a ton of different circuit courts all across the U.S. So this article explains exactly how that's going to go down and how a court will be assigned and the process after that. So you should also read that. I felt way better after reading that because this is how the law works. It's a long process. It's getting debated all the time. It's a, some would say, ongoing conversation. And now let me get into this tech law tracker episode. So quick recap. Last episode, I discussed section six of the proposed omnibus telecommunications bill which was actually about the language of net neutrality in this New York State bill. Funny coincidence. Glad I read it at that time. So this episode, uh, I'm going to talk about Section 3 of the same huge omnibus bill, which is on a slightly different topic. The new proposed creation of the Broadband Development Authority. But first a little overview on this bill. The bill number is A01958 in the Assembly and S02880 in the Senate. So if you want to look it up, the detailed memo is only available in the Assembly version, but they link to each other, so it doesn't really matter which one you look up. But if you Google those letters or you just go to the show notes, you will easily have the bill right in front of you. But the detailed memo is nice. It it goes in depth on each subject. But I'm going to do the same thing for you, so you probably don't even need to do that. So far, this bill was done nothing. So it was referred to the Corporations, Authorities, and Commissions Committee on January 17th, 2017. And that's it for movement. But it's literally the middle of the legislative session, so who knows. If enacted, it would be effective immediately, but I think that's the case with most bills. Sometimes they have, like, a little provision, like, for 30 days or for 90 days grace period to come into compliance or something like that. 
Um, overall, just for what this bill intends to do, I'm going to read you from the memo section. The long title of this bill says that it's an act to reform the telecommunications sector by creating a broadband authority authorizing statewide cable franchises for the purposes of competitive cable service, promoting the widespread development of high-capacity broadband internet access and increasing the availability and quality of services in this key economic development area, and ensuring the safety, reliability, and affordability of telecommunications services. So, with all that, I'm going to focus on Section 3 today, which is just about this broadband authority. And I'll cover some of the other substantive sections in the next couple of episodes. There are actually 16 sections, so I'll probably intersperse them over a lot of time. But anyway, let's get on with Section 3, which is this proposed broadband authority... And Section 3 would amend the Public Authorities Law by adding Article 11 to create the New York State Broadband Development Authority. So in Section 3 is actually Article 11, which Article 11 is the part that would go into the Public Authorities Law. And in Article 11, there's Sections 4100 through 4120. So a lot of these are like logistical things um, and... I'll just go through the first few really quickly. 4100 names the Broadband Development Authority, which will administer the Broadband Deployment Program. 4101 is the Broadband Development Authority's mission, which is essentially all the stuff I just read to you before a second ago. Um, 4102 is the long list of definitions of everything relevant to this section. So things like defining broadband, how many bits per second of data, uh, defining the internet, defining telecoms companies, etc. That kind of stuff has to go in almost every bill um, so that there's no problems later when somebody says, well, what does that really mean? We could change the meaning to do this and that and the other. But sometimes they don't put it in and then that creates problems. But anyway, 4103 um, describes the powers of the authority. Um, which seems regular to me, I guess. I don't know these things super well. Um, the powers are those necessary to carry out and effectuate the purposes of this article. So receive, send, and invest money, which can be receiving federal, state, or local money, can be grants or loans or appropriations by government, has the powers to be sued or sue, and can purchase or lease property, tangible or intangible, personal or mixed, that is necessary or desirable for carrying out the authority's purposes. And a little more info on the purposes, because maybe I didn't go so in-depth before. Um, they're generally increasing broadband access in underserved areas, encouraging the provision of affordable and reliable broadband internet throughout the state, and in order to do this, administering the Broadband Development Deployment Program. And which is that thing that I just mentioned, and building technology and social access planning entities. That's interesting. And partnerships with broadband internet service providers in order to carry out this further broadband rollout. But we're just getting to the interesting part. So 4104 and 4105 were the sections I thought were most interesting. 
because they talk about the leadership of this broadband development authority. So 4104 talks about who's on the board of directors, and 4105 talks about who's on the broadband development and deployment council. Big difference. So I'll start with the board of directors. Um, the board of directors governs the authority. It has 17 members, including the commissioners of the Department of Economic Development, the Empire State Development Corporation, the Public Service Commission, the State Office of Technology, and a few, a bunch more members, but I'll just start with those and give you a rundown of who those people are. So the head of the Department of Economic Development and the Empire State Development Corporation is one person. It's Howard Zemsky, and as far as I can tell, the Empire State Development Corporation doesn't have a separate commissioner. He's just the president and CEO, but maybe there is something there. Um, I interestingly couldn't find a Wikipedia page on this guy, even though he seems to be pretty prominent. Strange, question mark? But basically, he's a big real estate guy in Buffalo, New York, and that's a city about, well, literally seven hours from New York City. So uh, it's literally on the border with Canada, in case you're not from around here. And it's also where you go if you want to see Niagara Falls from the U.S. side. So um, a little more background on this guy. He's, his family is in the deli meats and milk business, which became Russer Foods. They're an old, old school New York family, I guess. Um, and the business originally operated in Brooklyn and then moved to Buffalo, New York. He said in an interview um, when they couldn't find a good retail or uh, warehouse space in New York City. Um, and he went to business school in Buffalo, and he was an executive at Russer Foods for a long time. And then uh, Zemsky sold the business, the Russer Foods business, and went into real estate development in Buffalo. And around that time, he started getting on a lot of economic development councils and non-for-profit boards and such. So... Real estate and deli meats. Yeah. Um, more recently, this summer, he was um, brought with Cuomo to a fundraiser. just read a little article on that. He apparently shouldn't have been there because he's not an elected official. And Cuomo said, he doesn't care who donates and who doesn't. Whatever. I'll post that little article. Um, you know, one of those, those little things. Um... And I'll also post a little interview that he did in case you are curious to learn more. Um, next person on the board is the Commissioner of the Public Service Commission, which is John B. Rhodes in this case. He's the chairman. Um, and I think that makes him the commissioner. We'll find out. Rhodes is kind of like an investment consultant guy. It seems like before his public service jobs... Um, on his welcome announcement as the Public Service Commission chairman, um, they just listed out some of his resume. Um, he, the first thing mentioned was a trader and general manager at this German company called Metallschulschraft. Metallgelskraft? Yeah, sorry. Um, they did mining, metals, and engineering. Um, then listed was, he was a partner at Booz Allen Hamilton, where he was a consultant in various technology intensive industries, including energy, aerospace, chemicals, and pharmaceuticals, 
spent three years at Good Energies, um, focused on renewable energy. So it seems like that's when he made the switch over in that direction. I don't know too much about this guy's resume, but this is what I read about it. Um, he was on the National, excuse me, Natural Resources Defense Council as director for the Center for Market Innovation, where he apparently worked to channel private capital towards environmentally beneficial investments with a focus on energy, efficient, energy efficiency, renewable energy, and green infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think after this, he made the switch to public service jobs and was the CEO of the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. Um, and they're all about innovative energy solutions and uh, improving New York State's environment and economy. So that was his last thing before the Public Service Commission. Um, and just a recap on the Public Service Commission, their job is to regulate New York State utilities. So that includes electric, gas, steam, telecommunications, and water utilities, and the cable industry. And they're supposed to set rates and ensure that adequate service is provided, and the commission exercises jurisdiction over the siting of major gas and electric transmission facilities and has a responsibility for ensuring the safety of natural gas and liquid petroleum pipelines. So just a little blurb on, on what they do. I mentioned them in a previous episode as well. So, um, next person on the board proposed is supposed to be the commissioner of the State Office for Technology. This one was interesting because I couldn't really find any serious information on this, and I kept Googling around, and I couldn't tell if the State Office for Technology has just been converted into the Office for Information Technology Services. But then, because that's all I was finding, just OFT, OFT, OFT. One article I found from 2012 discussed an audit by Comptroller DiNapoli, who I'm going to talk a little more about in a second, because he's also going to be on the board, or would be on this proposed board. Um, mentioned the State Office for Technology, not the Office for Technology Services. Um, and according to an excerpt from this audit... Um, which I'm going to post, obviously, in the show notes on techlawtracker.com. The OFT is responsible for providing information technology services to the state and its governmental entities. OFT also sets statewide technology policy for all state government and agencies, assists agencies with large technology procurements, and monitors all large technology expenditures in New York. So, seems like... Uh, and a separate agency, I think the Office for Technology Services, excuse me, Information Technology Services, really just is like the, the tech support for government. So seems a little different. Um, so also excerpted from this audit, I'll read to you. Auditors found OFT officials wasted at least $1.5 million in state money on a $5.7 million three-year agreement with software security firm McAfee. You may have heard of them before. OFT paid $1.9 million for the first-year costs of the contract and planned to recoup the money by reselling licenses to other agencies. Soon after, though, soon after, though, 
fatal problems with the procurement process and emerged and the contract was terminated. In the end, OFT recouped less than $400,000 of the money it spent. So, yeah, at first I thought I couldn't find more info on this office for technology because it had just been converted into the Office for Information Technology Services, but it seems like it was really a thing at one point. And I also found this article um, talking about the new chair of this Office for Technology. So it may still be a thing. I wouldn't assume that a new proposed legislation would just reference an office that doesn't actually exist anymore. But it was a little, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't find more recent information on it. Anyway, in addition to those commissioners who would be on this board, um, the also on the board of directors would be Governor Andrew Cuomo, um, also the Senate Majority Leader, John J. Flanagan. Um, so he's actually a temporary majority leader from the Republican Party who is from New York's Senate, second set Senate district. That's a lot of S's, which is in Suffolk County, which is basically the east half of Long Island. This senator has literally spent his whole career in the state legislature. He succeeded his father, Don Flanagan Sr., as state assemblyman for the 9th district at the age of 25 and held the position until 22 and then switched over to being state senator of New York's 2nd district. That makes sense. Yes. And so he's a temporary leader because the former, former majority leader, Dean Skelos, was sentenced to five years in prison for corruption. So that's that. Also on the board of the Broadband Development Authority would be the Speaker of the Assembly, who right now is Carl Heasty, and he took over from Sheldon Silver, who was the Speaker until recently, but was arrested on federal corruption charges. You may have heard about that one. Um, <clears throat> Carl Heasty uh, has been a longtime New York Democrat. He's been... He worked for the party for basically his whole career. Um, especially worked for this old-timer Larry B. Seabrook, who you might have heard about also. And Larry B. Seabrook was convicted of federal corruption charges in 2012. Um, but Carl Heasty worked for Seabrook as a treasurer and a bookkeeper for his campaigns and then later worked as a city comptroller as a budget... for the city comptroller as a budget analyst. Um... Also, um, Heasty's mom was convicted of embezzling money for, from a nonprofit that she worked for and using those funds to buy a house, which by the time that the case happened and that she was um, charged and convicted, Heasty partially owned her house. Um, and so they were ordered to sell the house and they did not sell the house. And the, they were ordered to sell the house and give the profits back to the not-for-profit that she had been working for. Um, so I'll also post an article about that. Just a little background. Um, next on the list for the board is Comptroller. 
So the comptroller right now is Thomas P. DiNapoli. Um, he is the, so the comptroller is the head of the Department of Audit and Controls, and the duties include auditing government operations and such, and making sure all the money is in the right places and everything. Um, the comptroller also monitors the issuing of bonds, which is something that the Broadband Development Authority would be able to do if it came to be, um, which many state agencies use to raise money for their projects. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. Um, bonds and notes. Um, I thought that was a good side note because the comptroller would also monitor the Broadband Authority's budget and the issuing of bonds. Um, background on DiNapoli, the current comptroller, he was in the State Assembly for 20 years, starting in 1986, and then elected State Comptroller in 2007. So the comptroller gets chosen by public vote, but DiNapoli got elected by the New York State Legislature itself to fill the position after Alan Havisi, the previous comptroller, resigned in 2006 over various corruption charges, including a pay-to-play scheme with the New York State Pension Fund. So I don't know how many corruption charges I've mentioned, but it's not called New York State politics for nothing. New York politics, whatever. You know the expression. DiNapoli has been reelected since then um, by a popular vote, but, uh, you know, these are rarely competitive elections. But anywho, um, most people run uncontested. That's what I mean. Um, I believe also it stipulates in the bill that all of these people are allowed to appoint designees for as board members, but I'm not sure exactly if it says that. Uh, moving on, also on this board, because there's 17 total members, um, two members are going to be proposed by the unions of the wireline and wireless telecoms industries of New York. And these... I think these are the these two unions because these are the only ones I could find are the Communications Workers of America and the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Um so yeah, those were the only two I found mentioned in in relation to New York State telecoms, etc. There may be other unions, but it seems like not. And the remaining members of the board of this broadband authority would be appointed by governor's advice with consent of the Senate from a group of individuals that are going to be nominated by principal established industry groups, technical councils, and academic professional groups of New York. So I guess the, these industry groups get to choose a pool of people and then out of that general pool, the governor has to advise that the Senate chooses these people. So there's going to be one each, one person each from each telecoms industry grouping, the, which includes the New York wireline telephone industry, the New York wireless cellular telephone industry, the New York cable television broadband industry, and the wireless internet provider industry. And also, the president of the SUNY system is also going to be on the board, um, which I think means the chancellor, because SUNY's website says that the CEO is the chancellor. 
Anyway, um, that is right now Christina M. Johnson, and she is not from New York. Um, she is grew up in Denver, Colorado. She seems like a sort of tech Silicon Valley lady. Um, she is the co-founder and CEO of this company called Hydrocube Partners LLC. Uh, they're a clean energy infrastructure company. Um, and they basically uh, were consultant. Um, they started out as a consultant company and uh, recommended existing recommended two existing hydroelectric power plants, new tax cuts and grants to use. So they helped them sort of structure their finances and, and do stuff like that to make their companies work. And then eventually, I guess they got into building and operating hydropower plants. I think they own one right now. I'm not sure. Not, I'm not sure at all about that. Um, she has also worked at Johns Hopkins, uh, at Duke university. um, Ms. Johnson went to Stanford for basically all of her education um, and seems to have made and sold a bunch of different tech companies based on the stuff she developed there. So, uh, yeah, seems like technology business lady, you know. Um, also on the board, moving on to the next people, two presidents from major research universities in New York one public, one private, and one member nominated by the New York Financial Services Community. So, I'm not sure if, I'm pretty sure these people are just going to be the people on the board, but yeah, they might be able to nominate people or suggest other people to go. Anybody who knows, please send me an email, techlawtracker at gmail.com. But anyway, interesting stuff. I always like to know who's doing what. You know, it's not just about the management structure itself. Um, yeah, so the that's everyone who's going to be on this proposed board if it becomes a real thing. Also, um, the terms, everyone in terms of how long they'll serve on the board, um, the government members will serve on the board um, for as long as their office terms are, and the non-government members will serve for a term coincident with the term of the governor who appointed such members. So as long as the government who governor who let them serve is still in office, they will also be on the board. Also, this board will uh, elect a chairperson, vice chairperson, secretary, the usual and the board will also employ a president of the authority to serve at the pleasure of the board. I'm not sure if that means... I guess they're going to employ someone completely different who's not even on the board to be the president. Um, pretty sure that's what that means. And compensation will be similar to other median salaries for employees with equivalent titles in the other New York State authorities. All right, and now on to the Broadband Development and Deployment Council. This is a council that's going to be chosen by the board, and this will be much quicker because these people aren't decided yet. So no long bios here. Um, this is just structure itself. This is going to be a 17-member technical advisory committee. Um, it's going to have five members with, quote, knowledge, skills, and expertise in the needs of industry, five members with specific telecoms tech areas knowledge, uh, two from underserved 
and unserved areas, and five others will be the chief technical officers or CTOs from the Public Service Commission, the State Office for Technology, the State Office for Emergency Management, the State Office for Science, Technology, and Academic Research, and the Chief Information Officer for the State of New York. Um, and some of those, yeah, most of those I couldn't find out who exactly that was. So I might look into that a little more for a future episode. The next bullets of this section just expand on what the council, which is different from the board, is supposed to do, which the council is like this technical advisory committee. Um, a couple I pulled out were the council is going to create, coordinate, or liaise with municipal or county level social access councils to study underserved and distressed areas. Um, this council also has to act as a liaison or a binding mediator between any deployment projects and owners of rights-of-way, easements, or infrastructure necessary to promote or establish broadband in designated areas. So I think that means that those telephone pole disputes or negotiations that take forever um, would be mediated by this Broadband Deployment Council. I mentioned in the last episode that, um, you know, when a broadband de deployer wants to use telephone poles that are basically only used for cable so far or telephone, um, they then have to pay rent on each one. And sometimes they have to work with a couple different companies because, you know, someone might use it for, some company might own the cable part of it or the telephone part of it, or the, just the basic electrical power line part of it. So maybe they would be able to make some of those move a little faster, or maybe not. Um, the council would also recommend projects that would be that should be funded um, by the, this um, broadband development authority, um, and especially going to focus on minority and women-owned businesses. And also, the council is going to recommend legislation that is going to help with its mission of deploying broadband throughout the state. And employees slash everyone on the board should be nonpartisan. So those are just a couple bullets from the general operations of the Broadband Development and Deployment Council. And moving on to the next bunch of sections, these are all about financing and other logistics of this Broadband Development Authority. And some of them are probably obvious to anyone who knows about how legislation works and exactly what it says, but I'll summarize them anyway because I found it interesting to learn about how exactly these things are written. Um, 4106 is about applications for broadband deployment financing. When applying for financing, an applicant has to file with the Broadband Development Authority, and it has to include in its application a plan for participation of minority and women-owned businesses. And I don't know how it works in other states, but in New York, there's a whole certification process for minority and women-owned businesses um, just to be billed as a certified minority or women-owned business. A um, They also have to include in the application a community-wide outreach plan to educate the public with respect to availability of broadband services. 
I don't know what that would look like. Probably sort of meeting with community groups and the such. And they also have to include the construction and maintenance plan to detail capacity of networks built and whether they will be able to maintain full upload and download speeds when subscribed to 100% of capacity. Uh, also included in the application is a plan showing how the build-out will address or exceed current aggregate demand for broadband service in the area of the proposed build-out, a plan for following principles of ne neutral networks. I think that means net neutrality, which I discussed above. I mean, in the last episode. And the plan for each stage of build-out and how that will be measured, and any other information the broadband authority requires. 4107, section 4107, says that the broadband authority is able to issue notes and bonds like many other public services do, and these can be up to $150 million annually for five years. I don't know if that means five-year bonds or they would have a five-year maturity time. That's what I'm kind of assuming here, that they would have to mature over five years. Not that they would only be able to issue these bonds for five years. If anybody listening knows, you should definitely send me an email at techlawtracker at gmail.com. So as far as I can tell, these bonds might actually allow the broadband authority to go into a lot of debt. I mean, you know, knowing very little about this. If that $150 million is allowable each year, because these bonds are able to pay the development costs associated with acquiring, leasing, constructing, maintaining, blah, 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 of maintenance of this broadband infrastructure, of course. Uh, they're also able to make loans to persons for development costs, make loans to persons to make purchases related to the broadband infrastructure. Uh, and here's the interesting part. The bonds can also be used to pay the interest on bonds and notes of the authority, establish reserves to secure the bonds and notes of the authority, and make other expenditures necessary to carry out the authority's duties under this article, including the payment of the authority's operating expenses. So I was just, I had never seen before that bonds can be used to pay other bonds, but that's probably how it always works. Um, I'm, so I'm guessing this is standard language for bond issuing for various government authorities, but I'm curious to learn more. One last funds allocation section was part three of section 4107, which says that no more than 50% of any payments to the authority for the use of right-of-way, rights-of-way under its control shall be deemed revenues of the authority. And up to 75% of rights-of-way use payments may be used to fund social access projects of the authority or may be contributed to a state fund established to guarantee universal and affordable broadband service to underserved subscribers and structures. And any remaining unexpected monies arising from right-of-way use payments may be pledged to the authority to secure the payment of notes and bonds. So in case you were wondering what all this right-of-way stuff is, it's what happens when somebody owns land that a utility wants to use to expand its network. So the network or the utility company makes an agreement with the owner of the land where it wants to build utility poles usually or something 
else that it might want to use that area for. And then the land being used is the right of way. And usually this is done in farmland where it doesn't really matter if there's farming happening over there because cows can be grazing or whatever grain can be growing. And they just need to be able to build a pole in the middle of it. And I'm assuming they just don't buy the land because it's way cheaper to just make a right-of-way agreement. And, um, you know, normal farming can happen or whatever. Um, so basically the easement is the agreement or the legal document signing the land away to the company or signing the ability to use that land to the company or the government. And the right-of-way is the land itself. So that's what all that mumbo-jumbo was about. I was curious. And now on to section 4108, which basically says that nobody working for the authority would be personally responsible for the bonds and notes issued by the authority. I think that means anybody who works there who signs the document that says I issue this bond, blah, 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 or the authority issues this bond doesn't have any legal liability. And I'm just going to keep running through these pretty fast. Um, they're just quick one-liners. 4109 says that the authority cannot get out of paying back notes or bonds issued and that the state won't change any rules about notes and bonds, which basically is just an assurance to investors who want to buy these notes and bonds that um, they are good, that they are a good investment or that they would eventually get paid back. 4110 is if default, if there's a default, then the bondholders can basically sue over that. They just have to get 25% of the defaultees together. 4111 says that the authority can accept grants and loans from government, from private companies, from foundations, etc. 4112 says that the authority is exempt from taxes overall. 4113 sets up the Broadband and Advanced Communications Development Fund. This fund would be in joint custody of the Comptroller and the Commissioner of the Department of Taxation and Finance. It will be a special non-reverting permanent account in the Special Revenue Fund to be administered by the authority. It will help in financing the costs of planning, designing, purchasing, leasing, installing, or maintaining dark fiber. I'm not sure if this means the fibers that are just sort of on deck and ready to go. I'm going to do a little more research into that. Um, but I think it just means fibers that aren't being used, but they're still being maintained. Uh, maintaining dark fiber to the extent permitted, subject, however, to all duties and restrictions that exist within this section. So that's that. Uh, it's just a fund that I, I assume is going to be like not loans, but grants to companies setting up broadband to help finance that. 4114 is, says that appropriations can be made by government and municipal corporations to the projects of the broadband authority. Um, so that might be where the money for that special... Um, advanced communications development fund would come from, and generally for the operating expenses of this broadband authority. 4115 says that um, cities and counties in New York State can give the broadband authority property for assistance with, with their projects. 
4116 says that if a person brings an action like a lawsuit against the broadband development authority, they have to, as in the broadband development authority, has to have known about it for 30 days and have been negligent on acting on it for at least 30 days. And it also cannot be more than one year and 90 days after whatever action it was that is being sued over happened. Unless you gave notice within 90 days. So I think not more than one year and 90 days, not less than 30 days. Um, I'm imagining this is similar to the language about suing the MTA in New York City. That's our public transportation operator here in New York City, which if you want to sue the MTA for negligence in something, you have to prove that they knew about a problem before you can sue on it. And they have to have known about it for, I think, 30 days or something like that. Probably longer for the MTA. 4117 says the comptroller has audit power and contract approval power for any contract and has to oversee the finances of the authority, the broadband authority. 4118 says that the authority has to submit an annual report on its activities for the year um, and on its recommendations, and its recommendations that it's required to make are mentioned in 4105. 4119 says that if this act has provisions inconsistent with another act, then this act's provisions are the controlling ones. I don't know what happens if the other act also says that its provisions are the controlling ones, but I guess that would be fought out in court somewhere. Or the legislature would just make a new bill. 4120 says that if a piece of this act is deemed invalid by the court, it doesn't eliminate the whole act, it just takes out that part. part. And this is called severability. And that concludes section 3 of this huge omnibus bill. So that is the end of the whole section about this new broadband development deployment authority. Um... I found this fascinating because, well, the first half was really interesting because it ended up being more of a who's who in New York politics rather than just the management structure itself. And I always think it's interesting to know who's who's in there because it's not just about the way an organization is composed. You know, every board member brings their own experience from work and, you know, what industries they've worked in previously and all that. So... That's all good stuff to know because especially on the small scale or these smaller agencies, especially when it comes to utilities, really affect day-to-day life. So that was cool. And the second half I thought was interesting because it's just the nitty-gritty of what a bill needs to say when they create an agency or a new authority or, or some, some new section of the government. Um, and that was cool too. So thanks for listening, and I think this episode was a great jumping-off point for some future episodes, maybe some more who's who, some more what's going on. Um, And also, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more nitty-gritty episodes, too, because I'm still going to read some more of this huge omnibus bill. So we'll see how all that goes, and you can catch me next time on the next episode of Tech Law Tracker. And also, definitely don't forget to send me an email at techlawtracker at gmail.com if you have any feedback, thoughts, comments, if you know about this stuff. I'm just a student learning about all this. So I would love to hear more from you. 
And before I go, a quick teaser for my next couple of episodes. I'm going to do one coming soon about privacy legislation in d- tons of different states. And this that episode is going to be a big thanks to Bill Track 50. Uh, specifically, one of their bloggers made a huge post just listing out um, all of the different technology legislation, te- privacy legislation about technology um, in a bunch of different states. So I'm just going to read those bills and give you quick reports on them. And also coming soon is going to be a more historical episode about telecommunications regulation in the 80s and 90s and now um, that I read a couple academic papers on the subject that talk about the interactions between the unions, the bigger companies, um, between the bigger telecom- telecoms companies and the FCC and all of the the various breakups and reconsolidations that happened, even going back to the 70s. So I think that will be a very cool episode. So stay tuned or rather subscribed. But you know what? I'm not even going to tell you to subscribe because everyone's always like, subscribe to my podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like I know what subscribe does. Like I'll get a notification when I get a new one. Big whoop. Like, you know what? Don't subscribe. Just don't do it. It's more trouble than it's worth, frankly. And what is subscribing even... When people tell you to do that, like, what does that even do? I never subscribe just because someone told me to. I have my own free will. Thank you very much. All right. That's been enough. Don't subscribe to my podcast. Signing off. This is Margot Cruz. Tesla Tackle.com